It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. On the Mojo 5 radio network. You can also listen on demand anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and Spreaker. And follow us on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That number again, 772-245-0750. Or shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Wouldn't it be fabulous if our elected officials and bureaucrats up there in Washington, D.C. could get back to work and solve some of the many problems this nation has? You know, we're on it. We're almost at a tipping point where this nation is going to be lost to us. We've got a southern border that's absolutely leaking like a sieve. And in the second half hour of today's show, we're going to be joined by Jennifer Lawrence. She's the national spokeswoman for We Build the Wall, Brian Colfage's efforts to raise private funds to build border wall on private property down on the southern border. But we've got so many problems that the people that we send to Washington, D.C. to address these could be working to solve. But no, even after Mueller has found that there was absolutely no evidence of collusion or coordination with this uh, wildly inflated Russian effort to interfere in our elections. The media is just bound and determined to move on to some sort of obstruction. So they want to spend the next two years talking about the president obstructing an investigation of a crime that never occurred. And Mueller, um, what he basically did in this, uh, this 440 page smear job is um is keep this thing alive he was brought in by the deep state in order to hide and cover up the deep state's wrongdoing during the 2016 presidential election and now he's closing up shop but what he's doing 
is he's left this big old document for the rabid Democrats in Congress to spend the next two years um, basically smearing the Trump campaign. What Mueller's probe really was, in the end, was a taxpayer-funded opposition research document against Donald Trump. It's basically the Mueller dossier. And all the Democrats in the Obama administration and the deep state that undermine the legitimacy of our democracy and our public's faith in our governing institutions has yet to be addressed. Now, I would almost be willing to just walk away from that if we could actually get back to addressing some of these issues, but they're not going to allow that. You see, they're going to continue to uh, stay on offense because William Barr has made it quite clear that he's at least going to look at how the um, Russia Gate hoax got started. And when he does that, he's going to, you're going to overturn a, a rock and find a lot of worms. But Mueller, first and foremost, showed what a political hack he is. The most remarkable thing about this 450-page report is that Mueller basically flips our whole justice system on its head and reversed the burden of proof. And he, he spends a whole volume of this report talking about how the president, um, you know, uh, denied that he was guilty and raised hell in social media, that at one time he instructed his White House counsel to fire Robert Mueller. Don McCann, the White House counsel, refused to do that, and it never happened. So the investigation wasn't actually obstructed. But basically... What Mueller did by refusing to make a call on whether or not the president was guilty of obstruction and then going on to say that he wasn't vindicating him either is he just engaged in prosecutorial misconduct. We are all in this country entitled to the presumption of innocence. And we don't have to prove we're innocent. A prosecutor has to prove we're guilty if they can't prove we're guilty at least enough to bring an indictment, then we are innocent. And Mueller flipped all that on its head by, uh, by claiming that uh, he wasn't going to make a decision. He was just going to push that off. Well, you know why he, he really didn't make a decision on the obstruction charge? Because he would have been laughed out of court. This whole this whole uh, investigation was illegitimate to begin with because Robert Mueller investigating re- obstruction of justice for the firing of Jim Comey is an absolute joke. Robert Mueller was Jim Comey's mentor at the FBI. And if Robert Mueller tried to take a case of obstruction into any courtroom in this country, Trump's defense attorneys would simply say, well, prosecutor in this case is a close longtime friend and mentor of the person he's accusing of obstructing of obstructing of justice for firing it would be immediately dismissed it would never stand up 
and that's why he had to had to punt on this whole issue. But he had his uh, his henchman, Andrew Weissman, a rabid Hillary Clinton supporter who attended her election night victory party where she lost the election. He's the one that's behind all of this. It, it is a smear job. As I say, it's basically an opposition research document for the congressional Democrats to spend the next two years continuing to harass this president. And that's why, instead of being able to get back to the people's business, we've got to go on offense. We've got to start looking deeply at this effort to entrap the Trump campaign by the Obama administration. It wasn't just spying. It wasn't just, um, you know, trying to look into Russian interference. This was an actual attempt by the Obama administration, especially John Brennan and Jim Comey and James Clapper, to entrap the Trump campaign. You don't get to challenge the establishment in Washington if you're an outsider like Trump was. They will come after you. Before we go on, I want to remind you to run on over to mojo50.com and register to win this uh, the Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380. If you haven't taken a look at this weapon, you really need to. This is a perfect, perfect weapon for concealed carry. It is a beautiful polymer-bodied um, 380. It's got a stainless steel slide and, and receiver, but it is uh, blued with Mennonite. And uh, it's a six round in the clip and one round in the chamber for a total of seven rounds. And it has a, a uh, an integrated laser sight. So you don't want to miss out on this. You need to go over and register to win at mojo50.com. This, uh, this weapon's being given away by our sponsor, Tar River Arms. And, uh, and you'll be included on their mailing list when you register. They've got uh, fantastic products. And, uh, and great deals. Double action Smith & Wesson 380 with a built-in laser sight. Get over there and register. Don't miss out. So this whole thing, as I said, Trump wasn't just spied on. It's bad enough, and it's been more than evident for quite some time, that the campaign was being spied on by the deep state. But... What has been less reported is that there were several attempts to use CIA and FBI operatives, four of which we know of at least, to entrap the Trump campaign. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, just uh, by sending out this dossier. That's more of a, a, an opposition research smear than an entrapment. But I'm talking about actual uh, attempts to lure Trump campaign associates into illegal activity. And this was done through several um, CIA operatives. I've spoken to you about Mifsud and Felix Sater. We know Stephen Hopper, he was busted attempting to um, entrap George Papadopoulos, but also this Hank Greenberg character. 
And, you know, when asked about all of these activities, James Clapper, who, who is, you know, on a book tour and, and a paid uh, guest over at CNN now, what a what a uh, perversion of journalism that is! You take some, a former um, spy for the government, and you bring him in as a uh, an actual uh, commentator on your show on his own agency's misconduct. But Clapper went on the View, you may recall, and said that the the Trump should be grateful that they spied on him. In the summer of 2016, and Trump tweeted that this spring, this spying rather, the spying that he claims is spying. Other people say it's a whistleblower or an informant. He says it's spying. It is not a whistleblower. It is not an informant. An informant implies that somebody is already inside an organization. That's not what happened here. What happened here is they brought outside CIA operatives to try to infiltrate the Trump campaign and offer um, enticements to get them to engage in illegal activity. That is the definition of entrapment. It's bigger than Watergate. So I ask you, was the FBI spying on Trump's campaign? Uh, I, uh, no, he, they were not. They were spying on a term I don't particularly like, but on what the Russians were doing, trying to understand were the Russians infiltrating, trying to gain access, trying to gain leverage and influence. So which, why doesn't he like what they do? So why doesn't he like that? He should be happy, though. Well, he should doing. be. Right. I, I mean, uh, mm. Russia, and this is one of the reasons I wrote my book, was the threat that he should be happy that we were spying on his campaign and they weren't spying. They were attempting to, attract, uh, attempting to entrap the campaign. But if you were really concerned about the Russians infiltrating the campaign, you wouldn't have run CIA operatives to infiltrate the campaign. You would have contacted the, the candidate. Or if you had any concerns about the candidate, you had former federal attorneys, uh, Chris Christie, and Rudy Giuliani there, you could have contacted them. The reason they didn't is because that uh, um, protecting our elections was never the objective here. The objective here was to try to entrap the Trump campaign. Now, maybe they believed this bogus dossier that, uh, that the Clinton campaign put together. Maybe they believed that and they, they thought they were doing the nation's business by attempting to entrap the campaign of the opposing political party. They are, remember, quite stupid. This, these are the same people that took us to war in Iraq based on a, a lie, the weapons of mass destruction lie. These are the people that after billions and billions of dollars invested in, their, um, in these intelligence agencies never thought to advise American airlines to lock the cockpit doors to prevent what happened on 9-11. You recall they said afterwards, nobody ever imagined that terrorists would use airliners as missiles. Well, they obviously had never read any Tom, Tom Clancy books, and they hadn't read the actual plans to do just that that were captured by that uh, al-Qaeda terrorist over in the Philippines. I can't remember his name, but they they captured an al-Qaeda terrorist over there, and he had plans. 
to hijack airliners and use them as missiles. But nobody in the CIA ever thought to pick up the phone and call airliners or uh, advise the FCC to do to fortify the cockpit doors. You'll remember these are the same people that um, that um, missed the collapse of the Soviet Union, caught them totally by surprise. And they're the same people that engineered this um, this coup of a, the pro-Russian government in Ukraine, which resulted in Russia re-annexing the Crimea. They go from one blunder to the next. And you could forgive it if they were well-intentioned, but now they've been caught actually engaging in political skullduggery in our own presidential elections. So I'm going to play you a clip here. Although I'm going to play you this first clip just to set it up. This is Lindsey Graham talking to Maria Bartiromo, talking about how all of the rules have been suspended in order to get Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't enjoy executive privilege anymore. He doesn't even enjoy attorney-client privilege. If you recall that Mueller raided the office of his personal attorney in the, in the uh, pre-dawn hours. And they interviewed Donald Trump's personal counsel in the White House for over 30 hours for this, uh, for this bogus uh, Mueller report dossier that they've put together. Here's Lindsey Graham. Well, how wide was the problem? How deep was it? And what was the basis of it? Why was the United Nations unmasking people? American citizens caught up in conversations. Was there any legitimacy at all to Papadopoulos working with the Russians, or did they plant that idea in his head about the Clinton email uh, being in the hands of the Russians? Did it come from him working with the Russians or somebody working with us? At the end of the day, was there any reason to believe that Carter Page was working with the Russians, or was it all based on a dossier that's a bunch of garbage? And in transition, as the Trump team is trying to take over the government, why was the counterintelligence investigation still ongoing? Who leaked the fact that there was one to the Washington uh, Post? Who dimed out all these people that were uh, in transition to the media? That's a violation of the law. And was there an attempt to invoke the 25th Amendment after the election? Democrats, if you're trying to get Trump, they really don't care how you're trying to get him. I really do care about the rule of law. Most Democrats don't care about this because they thought it was a worthy endeavor to try to take Trump down. So I'm hoping some Democrats will change their tune because if you can do this to a Republican, one day you can do it to a Democrat. Well, you know, they accuse Trump of changing all the rules in Washington. I would suggest that all the rules have been changed to get Trump. Kavanaugh's nominee was not presumed innocent because he was a conservative. Uh, The way they treated Brett Kavanaugh was to try to destroy his life and drive him 
out of wanting the job, hoping he would quit. They're attacking Bill Barr now, one of the most uh, seasoned, highly respected legal mm-hmm. minds in the United States. Nothing's changed about Bill Barr since he was attorney general under Bush 41. The only thing has changed is the desire to get Trump, no matter how you have to get yeah. him. So if you need to destroy Barr, they will. If you need to destroy Kavanaugh, they will. If you need to make up stories to get a warrant, they will. If you need to open up a counterintelligence investigation based on bogus information to try to get into the Trump campaign to find out what he's up to, to create. The Democrats are absolutely ruthless, and I just hope that Lindsey Graham is true to his word there and gets to the bottom of some of this. He is, as you probably know, the new head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and this is perfectly within his wheelhouse if he has the cojones to follow up. The pressure will be great on him to just fold his hand and move on. But he mentioned back there, well, you know, and clearly he's got a handle on this. It's uh, Devin Nunes over at the House Intelligence Committee is is bringing this forward. That Joseph Mifsud was never a Russian agent, as was reported. And they sent uh, and they convicted Papadopoulos for lying to the FBI based on that bogus narrative. Joseph Mifsud is a longtime asset for Western intelligence. As a matter of fact, he trained many Western intelligence agencies at a diplomatic school that he operated over there in uh, in Rome. But I've got a clip for you here. It's kind of a long clip. This is a reporting that you probably won't hear in the United States. But um, it's uh, it's um, for a, a UK program that talks about who exactly Mifsud really is. For more than a year, the most mysterious figure in the ongoing Spygate scandal has been Professor Joseph Mifsud, the Maltese academic who played an instrumental role in entrapping Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos on behalf of the FBI. A great number of people have wanted to talk to Mifsud about what he knows concerning the FBI's crossfire hurricane sting, the counterintelligence operation designed to entrap the Trump campaign into accepting offers of Russian help during the 2016 election. However, nobody's been successful in talking to him thus far, since he's been in hiding since the news broke of his involvement. While his whereabouts are still unknown, a lawyer who claims to be representing Mifsud began recently giving interviews. Swiss lawyer Stefan Rowe, who is reported to have been involved with handling Mifsud's legal affairs for many years, volunteered to news media that Mifsud has told him he is working for the FBI when he reached out to Papadopoulos. It was while in London in March 2016 that Mifsud introduced Papadopoulos to a woman pretending to be Vladimir Putin's niece. As he attempted to convince a young man, he had very real connections to powerful Russian government officials who wish to help Trump win the election. That's something Brian Cates detailed in an earlier column titled Trump-Russia Collusion Narrative Continues to Collapse. And now, in a most amazing plot twist, Roe has informed BuzzFeed News in an email that Mifsud wants to break his silence by testifying in front of the U.S. Senate. So it turns out they planted information on on, uh, George Papadopoulos so that uh, the other CIA operative, Stephen Hopper, could harvest that information and give a justification for launching this so-called counter uh, a justification, a pretext, I should say, for launching this uh, counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign. And we know that Felix Sater, 
started this whole CIA operation off back in December 2015 when he dangled the prospect of a Trump Tower in Moscow before Michael Cohen. And here he is uh, being identified on MSNBC, acknowledged as a CIA operative. Probably means he, he was, was not working fact, for the Russian government. Right. Right. We know- Wrong clip. Here we go. Last year, we learned that Sater, who's an American citizen, who was born in the Soviet Union, wrote an email to Trump lawyer Michael Cohen in 2015, vowing to engineer a deal to build the Trump Tower in Moscow, writing, quote, Our boy can become president of the USA and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's team to buy in on this. I will manage this process. Sater added, I will get Putin on this program and we will get Donald elected. And now for perhaps the craziest part, what we're just learning, thanks to some great reporting over BuzzFeed. It turns out Felix Sater was also, amazingly, an intelligence operative for the U.S. government with a resume out of a spy thriller. BuzzFeed confirming this week that Sater obtained five of Osama bin Laden's personal phone numbers before September 11th, helped flip a Taliban source to get information about al-Qaeda training camps, revealed plans for an attempted assassination of George W. Bush and Colin Powell, and went undercover in Cyprus and Istanbul to catch Russian and Ukrainian cyber criminals. Man, we could go on and on. Uh, just just the parts of this intip- attempted entrapment effort that we know about is enough to send people to jail. What they were doing in the Obama administration was patently illegal. And this is why we've spent the last two years with uh, Robert Mueller, a deep state actor himself, former head of the FBI, trying to um, cover up the CIA and the FBI and the NSA's actions during the 2016 election. And the Democrats apparently don't want to let this whole thing go. They want to keep it going. So we need to get to the bottom of this. We actually need to do it for the to preserve the integrity of our nation's um, you know, governing institutions. But certainly, we've got to put the lie to all of this because the Democrats won't let it go and we shouldn't either. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Jennifer Lawrence from We Build the Wall. Stay tuned on Right Now. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an America First perspective. After the Democrats and their media shills insisted for months that there's no crisis on our southern border, 
it's been revealed that, in fact, record numbers of illegal immigrants are crossing the border, overwhelming the Border Patrol with bogus asylum claims, and just being released into the interior of the country, most never to be seen again. Recently, President Trump has proposed busing tens of thousands of these migrants to so-called sanctuary cities, which prompted the Democrat mayors of these cities, who claim to be welcoming to illegal immigrants, to object and accuse the president of dumping these migrants on them. To discuss this, we're joined now by Jennifer Lawrence. She's the national spokeswoman and communications director for We Build the Wall, a nonprofit founded by Brian Colfage that has raised over $22 million to build a border wall on private property on our southern border. You can find them online at webuildthewall.us and donate to the effort there. Jennifer, thanks for joining us right now. Thank you for having me. So explain to me, if you can, uh, these sanctuary mayors and governors claim to uh, welcome, be welcoming to migrants and provide sanctuary to shield them from deportation. But when the president proposes giving them what they've asked for, they seem to go ballistic and accuse the president of dumping this problem on them, and, and many of them are threatening to sue. Yeah, you know, I would even take it a step further than you did, and that these Democrats and, and, and these cities are, are incentivizing these illegal immigrants to make this perilous journey, which it is. It's not a safe journey um, up to the border to cross our border illegally, because um, even if they're claiming asylum, once they step one foot on American soil, they're doing it illegally. So they're all already coming here on a bad premise. Um, and, you know, it's our job to not incentivize people to come here. And these sanctuary cities are opening their doors and saying, we are a sanctuary for you. It's just like a church. If you're in a church, the police have to wait outside in order for you to come out of that church, even if you have an arrest warrant. You know, so they're saying they're sanctuary for these illegal immigrants to come into America and we will protect you. We will not release your immigration status. Even if you even if you commit a crime, we will not release your immigration status. And that's that's the crazy part. Um, And, you know, we can't have a sovereign nation if we don't have borders. And in order to have a border, we have to have a border wall. We have to have a deterrent to tell people you have to come here the right way. Well, you know. It actually reminds me more of the old Confederacy and the uh, nullification of federal laws that they don't agree with. Um, These Democrat um, jurisdictions, including whole states, California, New York, and Illinois, are basically telling the federal government they're going to ignore their laws and refuse to comply. Uh, And, you know, it's exactly the same sort of uh, nullification that led to the Civil War. But I want to play a clip for you here. This is just a montage I put together of uh, various elected officials, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, insisting until just recently that there was, in fact, no crisis on the southern border. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office 
to manufacture a crisis. This is a manufactured crisis. No crisis exists, and anyone making the argument is most likely guilty of fear-mongering and willfully misleading the American people. Locals will tell him on the border, even conservatives, is that there isn't a national security crisis. The notion that we have a crisis there, a security crisis, is absolute nonsense. This is a manufactured crisis, and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. This uh, artificial crisis of the president isn't going to justify his uh, appropriating money for a wall that Congress is unwilling to give. Is there a crisis at the border? The president said there's a humanitarian crisis at the border. Is there? Absolutely not. We have a challenge. All our humanitarian issues are challenges for us. You know, you wonder sometimes if the Democrats get tired of, uh, you know, being made fools of by jumping out ahead of these stories and mischaracterizing them. And then the reality comes out where even Obama's uh, Homeland Security Director Jay Johnson and the former Border Patrol uh, head Mark uh, Moran, I believe it is, uh, are saying this is a crisis of unprecedented uh, proportions and the system is just melting down. Um, do you think that, uh, your effort, uh, at we build the wall is, uh, is going to serve as a valuable, um, adjunct to the president's effort to secure the border? Absolutely. And we support president Donald Trump 100%. And honestly, this, this whole effort came out of a frustration of Brian Colfage seeing after losing three limbs for this country, um, he went and he fought and he lost three of them. He took a direct mortar and he comes back and he is watching what is going on in this country. And it's unacceptable. You mentioned New York. I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in New York. I have a long um, family immigration legacy through New York. Um, and when I walk around New York City, it is sad to see what um, Bill de Blasio has done to that city. Um, and you talk about different crises at the border. Um, let's talk about the measles. Six months ago, uh, they were talking about how there was measles outbreak at the border. And now, all of a sudden, in these sanctuary cities, there's high rates of measles. Um, today, a girl in Yuma, Yuma Arizona, um, where yesterday the mayor of Yuma actually declared a national state of emergency and asked FEMA to come in and handle the flow of illegal immigrants because they can't handle it anymore. And that's how bad it is. Well, um, it is a, it is a health emergency for sure, because, uh, you know, these people are coming from developing nations and introducing diseases into American uh, cities that have mostly been eliminated in, uh, in the first world. And we had a guest on last night that was detailing the, the rise of um, tuberculosis and cholera and other things in California, um, you know, because we've got such huge numbers of immigrants coming in that have not been vaccinated that, uh, you know, are carrying diseases. We don't have the capacity to screen them all, much less uh, to determine who they are and whether they uh, pose a threat to public safety. No, and that's the thing is that they are bringing diseases and it's, it's, it's not just Latin Americans coming to this country. It's not just South Americans coming to this country. We have people from a whole wide ranging nation, far and wide, um, that are coming to our country. Now, if I were to travel as an American citizen to that country, I would have to get a certain amount of shots to prevent me from diseases and things that are prevalent in that country. Yet they are coming to our border 
And because our border patrol is now so overwhelmed with the flow of illegal immigrants coming into this country, we are not even health screening these people. And measles can be in your body for two weeks before you even begin to show signs. And once you show signs, it gets in the air. It can last two to three hours in a space um, and still be active. So there is a lot of things that are coming over our border. And talk about humanitarian crisis. Now we have people knowingly bringing children into this country because they know if they show up to the border without a child, they're going to be sent back. However, if they have a child, now they can come into our country. And that's there's the Democrats, again, incentivizing these people to come here and make this journey. Because I don't, I, you know, they're coming from a horrible place. And what has been the world's dream is to come to America, right? And you can't blame them. So we cannot have laws and we cannot have elected officials standing up and incentivizing people to make this perilous journey to then put strain on us as Americans to try to deal with all of this. We can't do it. And the fact that they are standing in President Trump's way when he is trying to deal with it the best way possible is unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. And the fact that they will not allow President Trump to send them to their cities, you know what, I would love for them to talk to the Angel family. Sit down and talk to Marianne Mendoza about her son. Sit down and talk to Steve Ronan back about his son, both whom were killed by illegal aliens. You know, tell them that it's not a crisis. Tell them that this is manufactured and not real. You can't. Well, you know, Jennifer, I think if uh, if the president did follow through with this proposal and started sending, you know, tens of thousands of these migrants to places like Martha's Vineyard, playground for the rich, or or out uh, on the Hamptons, or in uh, Beacon Hill in Boston, or up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, or Aspen, Colorado, or any of these places where Nancy Pelosi hangs out, I think they would change their tune pretty quickly, uh, and well, and. I, those cocktail party liberals in those districts would uh, would be up in arms. Absolutely. And you know what? Cory Booker did a great service to us, and he didn't even realize it. He came out and said, by sending these migrants to these communities, it makes it more dangerous. Are you talking about and this? Are thing. you talking about this, Cory Booker? Do you think this yeah, is an empty threat by the president, though, to talk about busing? people from the border into these sanctuary cities. He likes to create friction sometimes to jumpstart, he says, a Congress that's not acting. You say friction. I say he's trying to pit Americans against each other and make us less safe because what you're seeing now... So you take the threat seriously? I, I, I take this. He is injecting fear into our country. And so if he was looking to solve a problem, he wouldn't be doing things to divide this country against itself. So it's perfectly okay with Cory Booker as long as the problem's staying down there in El Paso and Yuma, Arizona and San Ysidro, California. But if you start talking about bringing the problem in to the scale that those those uh, cities are having to deal with it, then uh, Cory Booker and um, and Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, these other mayors, they decide, well, that's not such a good idea after all. Because they will have blood on their hands. Because time and time again, it has been shown that they come here and commit crimes. And when I sit down with angel families whose children have been murdered by illegal aliens who were deported six, seven, 20 times, 
and they still came back into this country and they still committed that crime? Well, if you are a Democrat representative and you are incentivizing people to come here illegally when we cannot process them properly, even in Ellis Island, they had a process that you had to go through that my ancestors had to go through to get legal entry into this country. Yet we want to ignore it. So if they come here and they come to your city and they drunk drive, and they do, and they shoot people. Well, now the blood is on the politicians' hands, and they have to explain to those families why they allowed those policies into place that allowed their children, their sons, their daughters, their mothers, their fathers to be murdered. Well, the problem's costing the American taxpayer hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and um, you know, increased strain on uh, education and health care, and uh, overcrowding in the prisons. And, uh, and these health and public safety hazards are just being swept under the rug by these Democrats because, uh, you know, they want to import as many uh, future Democrat voters as possible uh, to try to tip the balance of, um, of the country so that they can hold on to power. And, you know, you just wonder if there's enough um, of the legacy middle American voters to recognize what they're doing push back against this and uh, and give the president the majorities he needs in the House and the Senate to, in fact, build this wall that you guys are helping with. Yeah, so you know what? At WeBuildTheWall.us, we have totally realized that there are those amount of people. You know, when Brian started this, we never imagined that it would turn into this. Um, but at one point, you know, maybe two or three days into the GoFundMe, we were raising $500,000 a half hour, right? We were raising a million dollars an hour. And that goes to show that there is resolve with Republicans, with Democrats, with people who don't even know politics, but they know enough that in order to have a sovereign, safe country and a country that can protect its own citizens where we don't have veterans sitting on the streets homeless and we don't have all these other problems we do, if we can't take care of our own, we can't bring other people in. And over 300,000 Americans donated to the GoFundMe and said yes. And the thing is, is that when um, we started raising $20 million, GoFundMe never even realized that it would ever get to that point. You know, it's like the largest or second largest GoFundMe of all time. And they came to us and you know, when we were getting all these donations and they were coming in, the overwhelming response is that, please, don't give the money to the government. We don't trust the government. They're not going to use it to build the wall. Do it yourself. You know, there was a private contractor. I can't remember the name of his company. It was something sand and gravel company. But he offered to build 250 miles of border wall for the $1.5 million or billion dollars uh, that the president was able to actually get uh, allocated by Congress, and uh, and you you look at uh, what they could, how much wall they could build through government procurement programs, and it would just be a fraction of that. So it would be great if we could build as much of this border wall on privately owned property on the border. I know those ranchers uh, down there are having a hell of a problem with uh, illegal immigrants, uh, you know, uh, crossing their property, destroying their fence lines, and menacing their, uh, you know, their families. Uh, that would love to have a private wall down there. So it would, you know, $22 million is a big sum of money. But it would be great if we could turn that into $222 million. Absolutely. And you know what? I think that 
you know, so many times with different political groups or even nonprofits, you know, they have raised money and haven't used the money for what they raised, unfortunately, of Republican and Democrat. Um, and right now we want to prove to people who donated um, that we are going to use the money for what it was raised for. So I think that when we break ground and we are going to be breaking ground in the next month, um, on this border wall, we're going to prove to people that we are using this money. And we're not just building a border wall in the middle of some, like, open field just to say we built a border wall. We have consulted with some of the top people all across the country. And you bring up the price that the government can do it. Well, we can do it for a fraction of the cost. And we have some of the foremost experts on our board and people we are consulting with who have shown us the numbers and who have shown us the white papers and shows that, the red tape is what's costing the people the extra money. We don't have to spend all that money, but we can still get a border wall and make America safe. And that's the first step. And what I think a larger problem is that we have people who have been waiting to get into the United States for 10, 12, 15 years. We need to look at that process. We need to make sure that there is a process that people can get into the United States if they really want to be citizens. If they are going to bring something to our nation, then we will welcome them in. But if you're if you're crossing the border illegally and coming in the back door, well, there's a reason you're doing that. And when we have ISIS, when we have MS-13, when we have Al-Qaeda and other groups that want to hurt us, we cannot just have a porous open border and allow people to come in unchecked. Because if, if an innocent person who is just coming here to work and do well for their family can cross that border illegally, so can someone who is coming here to do harm. And we can't have that. I remember a demonstration that was done by a, a border security advocate. I guess it's been almost a decade ago. This problem's been going on forever. Uh, he labeled a backpack with a, a nuclear um, um a sign the the little moniker for a nuclear um uh, weapon put it on his back walked across the border into mexico for a mile walked back across the u.s mexico walked over to a highway got in a car and took uh, uh, uh took a ride up to houston and, and walked you know right next to the courthouse there's nothing protecting the southern border and without a wall uh you know we're just inviting the next 9-11 no, exactly. And I, I am an associate fellow at the London Center for Policy Research, um, it, which deals with foreign policy all across the world. And there are some serious threats. And we know that Hezbollah is in Mexico. When we know that there are bad operators operating in Venezuela, where most, so if you look at it, when the Venezuelan government collapsed, they fled into Honduras. And now all these people are coming from Honduras. Don't we think that maybe some of them came from Venezuela? Have we checked that? Do we even know where they came from? You know, and the fact is that they're making it public that we're not checking them anymore. You know, we're just like letting them into the country, right? So if you're someone who has malice against the United States, you are going to take an opportunity to come across that border because if you can make it, then you've made it, right? Because if you get across that border, Who's going to stop you once you're here? Well, or not only that, but the uh, the border patrol well, that's down there now is so overwhelmed trying to deal with this influx of uh, migrants with children claiming asylum that there are large stretches of the border where there is just being um, you know entirely unpatrolled, 
And, uh, you no, know, and if you, you know these, these foreign terrorists know where our weaknesses are. And, uh, and you, you'd better believe they're looking and probing for weaknesses uh, and will we'll exploit them if they're able. No, and they're going to. But, you know, the Border Patrol is doing the best they can, and they're begging for help. And it's, again, the Senate Democrats, it's the congressional Democrats that are standing in their way. So not our, only are they inviting people in, they are standing on, on the toes of Border Patrol and not allowing them to do their job not allowing them the right resources necessary in order to process these people. I cannot imagine this. I cannot imagine the strain those men and women are under down there. You know, that omnibus bill that, uh, that they passed to keep from closing down the government government again, uh, in order to, you know, uh, build the wall. Uh, it in fact exacerbated the problem by, uh, by letting uh, everybody in central America and all the, uh, people traffickers, the smugglers know uh, that you know if if they brought a child that anybody uh, that that claimed any illegal alien that was here already that claimed to um, to sponsor those children would be immune from deportation and not only those people but everybody that was in their house. So I mean, yeah. the the Democrats are actually actively working to undermine and make the job of Border Patrol harder than it already is, and. And I suspect that a lot of them are going to be, get burned out because of this, um, you know, this overwhelming wave that uh, has uh, the Democrats have prompted and just decide that there's a, a, a better way to make a living. No, and, and the humanitarian cost, right, is that it's not just illegals and, like I said, a perilous journey, right, women being raped in overwhelming numbers, having rape trees where they hang underwear of their victims, right? When you go down to the border, you see birth control wrappers, you see condom wrappers, you see clothes strewn all over. You know, we were down in McAllen, Texas with our board, um, with Steve Bannon, Sheriff David Clark, um, you know, Chris Kobach, who President Trump is eyeing, hopefully, you know, he would be a great choice for DHS. God, please put Chris Kobach (laughs) in at DHS. Why why is that taking so long? That's a no-brainer. He went on Fox and actually articulated some legitimate measures the president could take if if he had somebody that was in there that was committed to, you know, stopping this crisis. Again, it's the Senate Democrats. And, you know, Chris, I can, I, can, I can vouch for Chris that he witnessed it firsthand. We were down on the border, and we had a convoy of SUVs, um, white SUVs. And uh, we, were, we were driving along the border. And all of a sudden, a group of 40 migrants came pouring out of the forest. Um, and uh, Brandon Darby, who is a border expert, cartel expert, he hopped out of the vehicle along with me, and we began to talk to these people. They were from Honduras. And, of course, only one of them spoke perfect English and had the same exact story that I have heard on the news time and time and time again. Well, they tried to turn themselves into us because thinking we were Border Patrol and asking for water and food and that they've been traveling. And we had to tell them, like, no, we're sorry, like, we're not Border Patrol. And they're like, oh, well, where can we find Border Patrol? Like, we need to turn ourselves in. Border Patrol has has become a glorified uh, taxi service for these people. That's exactly what Border Patrol is. And that's not what the United States Border Patrol is. 
Um, they are not there. And you know what? They are the first line. They're the ones who are dealing with the diseases coming into this country. They're dealing with the first line of defense of like, if I let this person into the country, is he the next, you know, is he going to go out and do something bad? You know, that is not their responsibility and they don't have the resources they need to do their job. And at that point, it's putting all Americans in jeopardy. And not only is it putting Americans in jeopardy, then you have the Senate Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And then you are, I'm sorry, the Senate Republicans on the congressional side, like Nancy Pelosi, and then Chuck Schumer on the Republic or the Senate side, um, you know, making, making trouble, um, you know, doing all they can to block president Trump from doing his job, from protecting this nation. They're actually actively undermining border security. If you looked in that omnibus bill and some of the provisions that they put in there, they, you know, they, they, they gave the president a measly $1.5 billion to build the wall, but they limited the construction of the wall to three counties in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, Hidalgo and a couple of others. I can't remember the names of them, but those counties are some of the most uh, corrupt um, counties in the United States with uh, multiple elected officials and law enforcement officers having been locked up uh, for taking bribes from drug traffickers and people traffickers down there. And they gave the elected officials in these cities and counties veto over the design and placement of the wall. So even the money that they gave them was purposely designed not to be able to be used. No, and I would encourage all Americans, right, I think it was more telling when President Trump said that he was going to send these immigrants to the sanctuary cities that they balked the way they did, right? Mm-hmm. They know that there's a problem. They know it makes their city less less safe, and it puts their people in danger. Well, the very um, first so- thing I would do is I would establish a detention uh, center out on Martha's Vineyard. I would open it before the summer vacation season begins. I would have about 10,000 of uh, the illegal migrants in there. I would keep the, uh, you know, you can't detain them, so I would make them be able to come and go uh, at will. And um, and I would see how, how well they like it. And then I would uh, I'd go up on the Upper West Side of um, Manhattan and do the same thing and just just uh, start doing this over and over again. And you would you would see... These cocktail party liberals absolutely melt down. They're glad for it to be down there on the southern border in the southwest, but they would uh, they would squeal like um, like stuck pigs if if they had to live with the dysfunction that they're creating. No, and and they're putting all Americans at risk. You know, America has always been a magnet um, for immigrants to come here and have the American life. And what's sad is the people who are migrating here now are not gaining that American life, you know? So once again, the Senate Democrats and the Senate or the congressional Republicans are using humans as their pawns to get what they want. You know, those people, they're, they're, they're just like you and I, right? They are in a bad situation and they have read on the news or read in the newspaper that it is okay to come to America, that they will offer you sanctuary. And if you are in some of the cases that some of those people are in, you would absolutely do what they're doing too. And that's why it's such a multifaceted issue. Well, the problem is there's there's about, um, you know, 4 billion people in the world that are are in the same exact boat they are. And if we don't have some sort of controls over who comes into the country, 
then we will we won't have a country for very long. As a matter of fact, exactly. at the rate we're going, we're not going to have a country for very long because we're importing people so fast that they don't have time to assimilate. They they uh, you know a lot of them are illiterate um, and have very few work skills, and uh, we're going to become at this rate uh, indistinguishable from the places that these people came from to escape. Well, you bring up the assimilation thing. The, the thing is, is that since there's been such an influx over our southern border for many years, now we have multiple generations of illegals and people who originally had a green card and maybe their uncle or their cousin hey. came here. And now we have entire family units. Jennifer, we're about out of time and I want to be able to plug your uh, um, website no once before we go. Jennifer Lawrence is the national spokeswoman and communications director for We Build the Wall. You can find them and support their uh, efforts at webuildthewall.us. They've raised $22 billion to build a border wall on private property down on the southern border, and you can help. Jennifer, thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll come back and join us again right here on Right Now. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hold on the line. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.